I have tried so hard to be consistent with you all. And I just got to the point where I realized it's not the lack of consistency. It's the reason why I want to be consistent or why I feel the need to be consistent. This is going to be good. I promise. Tune in. Welcome to Invisible Talks, where the truth, different perspectives, and stories are discussed with invisible voices. Media outlets varying using anonymous sources. There's no such thing as off the record. But here on Invisible Talks, all of our stories are off the record. If you're good, put the pieces together. I'm your host, Tyra Elin, recording in the Podcast Town studio. I want to hear your story and perspective to make my life better. I'm tuned in. So this is a different beat. Every episode on this podcast is a different beat, which is what I love, but also can, in the creative world, be a little stir crazy. I come into the studio and I come with my script and I just know my talking points and I'm excited to share with you all some of the revelations that I've received since the last time coming in the studio. But this episode, it may get a little deep per usual, right? I've often talked about surviving, thriving, God, obstacles, trials and tribulations, shared stories of people overcoming, you know, some of the things that happens to all of us in life, whether it's death, divorce, being a parent, parenting is just like a whole nother world. We've talked about all these things on the show. And one thing that I have embraced on this hiatus that was not intentional is that it is easy to pick up what the world is dropping off in my lap, meaning that you take a podcast course, you watch a masterclass on YouTube or from one of your favorite entertainers, and everyone's telling you to create, to post consistently. But what if you can't? What if it takes away from your authentic self to post every week? Not because the stories aren't real, but it's just not in your nature to do that. I have survived so many things and lived in survival mode for so long that I've been washing off the mentality of doing what I feel like I'm supposed to do because someone said it. Leading with the narrative of what I feel I need to do because of the vision that I have in my head that I can't always communicate and it won't always be understood. And it took me back to a few different things. So I've got three points today. The first point, surviving. That's survival mode. (laughs) Let me, you know, I'm going to look up the actual definition before I give my definition because I have my own language. So to, to survive, it's a verb. Remain alive, alive, sustain oneself, cling to life, pull through, get through, hold on, hold out, make it, keep body and soul together. Continue, remain, last, persist, endure, live on, preserve, abide, go on, keep on, carry on, stay on, linger. <laughs> you guys got it, right? To outlive. I don't want to do that anymore because of what I've learned is I was doing what I could to make it work and it worked. There was no strategic thought plan behind it and it was always working for me. Whether it was the internships that I had in college, selecting a college, working in corporate, working for the NBA, things were just working. And I remember back in 2019, right before COVID, because it was shortly before everything was shut down, 
I had finally landed the dream job. So I thought in my head and I was going to Vegas to work. And then it was the holiday. So it was in December for the holiday break. After leaving Vegas, I was flying down south uh, to Silas, Alabama. And then I believe there was like one more stop on the trip and then coming back home. And it was the first time I, I had two girls at the time. It was the first time where my husband was across the country. I am here working and our kids are back in our home state of Wisconsin. And our oldest had a fever. It felt like every time I left the state of Wisconsin, my oldest would get a fever. I mean, a deadly fever. Fever. Like, how are you over 100 degrees for this long? What happened? It didn't even have to be winter. In this case, it was. And so I just was pushing through all of those things that were running through my mind. I was constantly trying to be present in my work because I really, really wanted to make it, right? I really wanted to be the next Kristen Ledlow, the next Jamila Hill, just all of these women who have made their names great by reporting on sports and telling the truth behind the player, right? Um, and really inspired by them. And so I remember being on the court and I looked at my iPad. I kept getting this notification for my flight. I was like, my flight is until tomorrow. I knew I was taking a red eye, but it was going off right before tip. And so I log into my flight itinerary and I realize that my flight was indeed leaving in two hours. I needed to get back to my hotel and pack and get to the airport. Or do I miss my flight, which was going to put me a whole day behind getting back to or getting to Silas, Alabama, because who is flying to Silas, Alabama? <laughs> so the frequency was not. And I had layovers, so I just had a whole bunch of decisions to make. And so I told the team I was leaving abruptly and I just ran to pack all my stuff and to get to the airport. I get to the airport. Out of all days, something's wrong with my ID. It's not scanning. It's not showing that I have a ticket. So I have to go back downstairs and start all over. And it was just like chaos from the very beginning. I finally get on the plane and I'm trying to calm my mind. And this was a short connector. So I was connecting. I was in leaving Vegas connecting again in L.A. And so the flight is about to land and I am just trying to calm down because I'm just so like, oh my God, I just started this position and I had to leave early. How did I mess up booking my flight? This is why I should have let the flight, I should have let the program, the company we work with book my flight instead of me booking it because I didn't book it in the right time zone. And now I'm just like all over the place. I hope my daughter's okay. Didn't get um, a chance to answer the phone because the plane was taken off. I haven't talked to my husband. Like these are the running thoughts. And so literally right before the plane is about to land in LA, I couldn't breathe. And we were close enough to the ground where my service was working. I called my husband and I'm like, I cannot breathe. We're landing and I cannot breathe. I can't catch my breath. And I'm on the phone with him. Tears just start to run down my face uncontrollably and I'm not able to speak anymore. He's talking to me. Nina, mind you, he has no idea where I'm at because everything happened so quickly that I wasn't able to talk to him or really anyone. I just text him and let him know that I was getting on the flight. I would talk to him when I landed in Los Angeles and 
From there, my body went numb. I wasn't able to speak. I could open my eyes um, and I still was having trouble breathing and the flight attendants noticed and I just crashed, crashed out. And so I wasn't responding. There were two nurses. Oh my gosh, uh, these ladies. One of them was definitely an angel that came to assess the situation. I started to have seizure-like symptoms and I seized out. So they had to like unbuckle me and I fell to the ground and the nurses who just happened to be on the flight were taking my vitals. And the whole time in my mind, I was going between panic and peace and God. And so when I first hit the ground and I was seeming, I don't know how it would have been to be outside of my body, but I would describe it as unconscious. The thoughts that were playing in my head is all the things that I was doing that was so overwhelming that I felt like I needed to do. I felt like I needed to do every project that was set on my desk. I felt like I needed to be a part of every single moment of my kids. So that's probably why my oldest, every time we separated, she couldn't really gather herself. Like I felt like I needed to do all these things after God had told me to slow down. And so every time the all of the, it's like I would have visions playing of all the times God told me to slow down, stop, say no. And it would cause me to have seizure-like responses or I was crying, but I was not crying. Like there were tears falling from my face, but I couldn't really respond to them. And it, one of the nurses, I could still see her eyes as I, I think about it. Every time I looked at her, I would see the peace of God in scriptures would just come over me and it would calm my body in responses. At this point, I still cannot move. I still cannot speak. And I'm just like that silent. I'm battling between the things I was supposed to do and wanting not to die or to end up in the hospital or like what is happening? Like, do I have a disease or, you know, so many different things are going through my mind. And one of the things the word of God says is we have to cast our cares to God. Like we have to give them to him. And every time I gave them to him in that moment, there would be a peace and a calm and I would be able to blink my eyes and open my eyes and I still couldn't move. And so at this point, everyone's off the plane. The fire people come on and they have this wheelchair. And again, I can't move. So they pick me up put me in the wheelchair they're taking my vitals like in my legs and in my arms to figure out why I can't move and this was the other angel the guy who pulled me off of the plane in the wheelchair there was something about each one of these individuals eyes I can't really describe it but it was like seeing the glory of God in their eyes when I looked at them I couldn't help but to see peace I couldn't help to hear the voice of God his word playing in my head. And so I get off the plane in the wheelchair. Everything came back clear. And one of the firefighters, it was not the gentleman who pulled me off. He was so confused. I was confused. As they were getting the reports back, I began to get movement. I was able to like move my mouth. And then slowly thereafter, I was able to speak. 
because all of my vitals came back clear and nothing was alarming on their machines, I was able to leave and all the angry passengers who were delayed on getting their flight was able to get on. And I had a layover of like five or six hours in Las Vegas or Los Angeles. And I just sat there and just gloried in God that first of all, I'm alive. Second of all, what just happened? And what I realized hindsight, um, I spent a week down south, which is so quiet. I mean, I'm talking dirt roads down south, trees. You hear every animal go in your backyard and shoot up your dinner if you want to. Like it was the peace that passed all understanding literally on earth. And what I took away from that week of being there is this constant go, go, go does not get me there faster. It's like the rabbit and the turtle racing. I needed to be the turtle and I was so being the rabbit and I wasn't guaranteed to win. And that was survival mode. I didn't want to be in survival mode anymore. And I knew that, which leads to my second point, striving. So the official verb dictionary is try hard, attempt, endure, aim, aspire, venture, undertake, seek, make an effort, make every effort, spare no effort, (laughs) exhort oneself, do the best you can, do all one can, do the utmost, give all, labor, work, toil, strain, struggle, apply oneself, bend, fall over backwards, go all out. Do we hear this? (laughs) Go all out. You struggle, you fight, you battle, combat, contend, campaign, and war. That's striving, according to the dictionary. Where I see it in my life was, okay, survival mode, I didn't have a strategy. So let me come up with a strategy because the growth was very small. And I know if I have a strategy, it'll be better and I'll grow faster and it'll blow up the way I want it to. I was making every effort to achieve the goals in which I put on paper. That's what striving was. It didn't get me anywhere. I feel like I survived in my career for almost eight years. And I'm just using post-college. Eight years of surviving. It was just working. And then transitioning to uh, striving with COVID. Like so much downtime to think, to be strategic, to go back to old habits, to pick up new habits. (laughs) I never really did the true detox If I think about the parable in the Bible that talks about the five foolish and the five wise angels, for the longest I thought I was the wise angel when COVID hit. I was prepared with oil and I was for a moment in time. I had oil that probably lasted me all of, I don't know, six months. (laughs) The second that me and my husband found out we were expecting our third, I feel like the oil got It got dry at that moment, not because of the baby. I think there was excitement, but it triggered the unknown. It triggered the old habits in myself and what I saw in my husband and only he can speak from his perspective. But there was this idea of I had a plan. The plan was to we had traveled a lot. We believed God for a lot. I got into my word. I was praying and it seemed like when the faith kicked in, the enemy also stirred up. The things that were already in me stirred up. And so this unknown season of wanting to accept 
what God's will was for my life and truly accepting it. I feel like that's the fence that I straddled through the surviving mode. I see what he has for me, but I still have these desires. And for the last three years, because I'll say it started with COVID. COVID is the timeline. In 2020, I started this journey of really seeing myself, right? The schedule is stripped. So it was no longer go to work, work really hard, come home, serve to the capacity in which you can. Weekends, go to church service, Saturday service, honor with the Sabbath, Sunday service, going with praise and rejoice in the Lord, our Savior, and journal throughout the week and keep a connection and read the scriptures And God was moving in those moments. I don't doubt his presence. I don't doubt his covering, um, but I doubt my submission. I doubt that I was truly as submitted in my heart. My actions, my works were moving, but my heart was still a little distant. My heart still had desires that probably aren't aligned with God. There was still some temptation that exists. And honestly, three years later, I see that (laughs) at the beginning of COVID, it wasn't a reality. And what I've realized is God does a really good job of dealing with my mind, my encounters, such as the one on the plane and this encounter that I'm going to talk about. It's always the mind for me. It's never been a time where he hasn't given me a warning. There was warnings to slow down before. There was warnings throughout COVID to stick to prayer because in prayer, I build my relationship with God. He fellowships with me. I'm allowed to everything I'm anxious about, everything that I don't know which way to go in. I can come to God in prayer and he can give me his will and his vision. And that's just that's constantly growing. Right. When I first met my husband, I didn't know everything of about him. But almost eight years in, you know, we've learned a lot about each other, but there's still so much more to learn. And I look at that relationship being the same with God. I'm constantly learning him. He knows me and I'm getting to know him. And so for about eight or nine months, I kept it was little nudges of me getting back to consistent prayer. And when I say consistent prayer, I used to host prayers through our church and in our basement. And I had stopped doing those. A variety of things had happened. And that was before COVID. But more importantly, my individual prayer, I would be up at like three, four in the morning spending time with God. And I would do these videos, put them on Instagram and just share the revelation in which God would give me something to encourage somebody because it always encouraged my spirit. And I had stopped doing those things. But I also had realized God was using me in a way that he hadn't before. Like I would be sitting with him. And again, I wasn't doing it every day. I did it when I felt like it. And I did it when it felt good. I would have these moments with God And he would tell me to go to a place and pray for someone and I would do it and I would see his his will be done. Nothing that I did wasn't because I was good. It wasn't because of anything of me It's just because I was a willing vessel and it would uh, melt my heart to the core in such a beautiful way because I remember being in a space where I just wanted to hear God and know that God heard me and for a stranger to come out of nowhere and to confirm the things thus said the Lord, like what? And I was just grateful to be that person. And so I was at church one Sunday 
this had been happening for like a few months. <laughs> like it was getting to the point I had to stop calling my sister because it was so frequent. And I'm like, I'm just blowing her phone up every day with these testimonies. And God had really dealt with me to stop calling her in the first place because as believers, we can have a zeal so strong for God. And not that other people don't have the same zeal, but we can become their God in the midst. So if I'm always feeding you the word, when do you have time to actually go cook it and eat it yourself? And so I was in church service this Sunday and the pastor's wife, she was speaking and she was just talking about being tired of yourself. And in my heart, I was just like, God, I am so inconsistent and I just want to be consistent in you. One day I am sold out all in and the next day I am fighting every emotion to get up and stand or to get up and do what you told me to do. Or I've heard what you told me to do or say to my husband and I just don't care. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want to do. And I was just so tired of the double mindedness and the back and forth. And so I went to the altar and I kneeled down during prayer and worship. And I just asked God to take it. Like, I don't want anything that is stopping me from doing your will and and fulfilling the things in which you want me to feel. And I want Tyra to be dead and your spirit to be alive in me so that I can hear you clear and not be distracted by anything else. And uh, I just felt his presence. And then I felt nothing, meaning I couldn't speak anymore. I couldn't move anymore. Eyes were still open and my ears were still open. And uh, for those of you who are believers, deliverance kicks in. For those of you who uh, are not sure what deliverance is, the best way I could describe it is allowing God to come in and to take every desire that separates me from him. And so the temptation of sin, the heartbreak, the guilt, the shame, all of these emotions and things that are not of his fruits of the spirit, him coming in and cleansing my house, my heart from those things is the best way that I could describe it. And I'm sure it's not the best way to be described. So do some research in that. Open up the word of God. Seek teachers that you are led and drawn to who can really break that down. But from my experience, when I have gone through deliverance, it has freed me from that guilt, shame, and condemnation that the enemy has impressed on my mind and has not let me go. It's like held me bound to that experience or that thought. And God comes in and cleans my brain and gives me his perspective and his will. And so I'm at the altar, altar and deliverance begins. And it is an experience that I can't really explain. <laughs> I'm explaining it in my next book. And I'm still going through that chapter of the words to put on there. But I can't explain it. <laughs> I don't even have the words. I am um, in the flesh. Someone who does not know God or does not believe God, they would say she had a mental breakdown and I'll let that be what it is. But when you know God and you've experienced God and you've encountered him and you have his discernment and you uh, begin to renew your mind and to think like him, you know, it was deliverance. And even for some believers, it was hard to see that it was deliverance because we don't see the manifestations of God showing up in places where 
people call themselves believers. Fear has taken over. That oil that I talked about with COVID is like run over for the last few years where churches don't believe that the presence of God is enough to clear COVID from walking into their building. That churches don't believe that God is still the healer. God still sent his only son to die on the cross to give the blind eyes to see, to heal the lame. Those things we're supposed to do greater works. And unfortunately, we are living in a time where those who confess and say they love Jesus Christ don't have the faith to believe that these things are still possible because God is still who he said he is. He's never changing. Yes, we're not under the old covenant anymore and there's a new covenant, but God is still God. He has given us grace, but he also has a wrath. And so after spending a month and a half the time that you all haven't seen me basically or heard from me. I just thanked God because in that deliverance, he delivered me from the things that were stopping me from being consistent in him. And I don't mean consistent in posting this podcast or showing up for the world. I mean, consistent in showing up for God, consistently getting up every day and finding time to spend with him solely undistracted, just to pour out, to read his word, to get to know him and what he revealed to me is abandonment issues that were probably planted when I was like seven or eight, but they were dormant. So they would show up in my lifestyle, but because I hadn't become aware of it, because no one who saw it in me identified it. Because one thing I've learned about deliverance, it doesn't look the same for everyone. But one thing that is the same is you identify the inner enemy that is tearing that person up. And when you can call that thing out, a person can be free. And so when you can tell someone their truth with love, in love, with empathy, it sets them free, truly. And so there were a lot of things that were in my bloodline, generational curses. And when I talk about generational curses, I don't mean someone put voodoo on you, which that does happen. I mean that the sins of my parents and the sins of my great grandparents, when the Bible says you'll be cursed with a curse and it'll go so many generations, there's truth in that. And so I never sat and thought like, I'm going to think about suicide but that was a familiar spirit in my bloodline. And so there are these things that only God can take out of us. I did therapy, talked about my therapy sessions. I enjoyed my therapy sessions, but my therapy sessions didn't give me the freedom that I have today. God did. And so when I talk about striving, it is a facade. It is deception. We can walk into a space. I have walked into a space where I thought I was really getting somewhere. A little bit of growth is growth. And I'm doing all that I can. And what I learned over the last few months is striving is just my flesh being pleased. And I'm deceiving myself that I'm somewhere that I'm truly not. And the only time I can locate myself on the GPS is when I talk to God and he identifies it because he has the bird's eye view of everything that is happening in my life. So that's just a piece of striving. I could talk about striving in so many different areas and so many different ways because it's something that a lot of us do. But I hope you guys got the picture from that because our third point and the final point is the most important point. It's striding. Striding. The definition for that is to march, to pace, to tread, to step, walk, step with long steps, large steps, pace, footsteps, 
to make strides, make progress, make headway, gain ground, advance, proceed, move, get on, get ahead, come along, shape up, take shape, move forward in leaps and bounds, getting there. Deal with easily, cope with easily, think of, accept as quite usual or normal, not bat an eyelid. That's funny. (laughs) So that's actually the dictionary's definition that they put not bat an eyelid. I've learned that to stride is complete surrenderance because everything that I thought I was doing to gain hasn't worked in the past. And so I need a partner that I could trust on this long walk in this journey, these long decisive steps that don't happen overnight and growth can't always be seen with my flesh eye, but it has to be seen in my spiritual eye and it doesn't feel like a burden. (laughs) And some of the things and goals we have feel so heavy and I can tell the difference when it's my burden that I've picked up versus the burden that God's given me. The key to striding is you have to bring Jesus along. You have to walk his steps, let him put the footprints in the sand and you step over them, not you make the path and expect Jesus to follow you and bless you. And there are a lot of spaces and places where that happens and we call it God and we call it blessed. But after a time, we realize that it was in vain. So many of us are living in deception and we're striving and not striding. And there's a difference. There's a difference in how we feel. There's a difference in the amount of people that we touch and the lives that we touch. Because for me to be blessed is cool. But then I become a blessing to everyone else, to every person that I touch. Every blessing that passes through my hands is an opportunity for someone else to know the goodness of God. And I don't mean always through money or materials, but just through fruits of conversation, opening one's heart to receive the word of God, opening one's mind to receive a new perspective, all one in the same. Also something that I try to do in every piece that we put out, be thoughtful, be intentional about the conversation, about the things in which we're talking about, because it can edify someone's life. It can change their perspective, therefore then change their life in what they plan to focus on moving forward. And so it doesn't feel like a burden, but you have to ask the question, Once looking back, how did you survive all the other stuff? How did you get here? Because that's one thing I've thought about. I went seven years to be in the same spot that I was in when my first daughter was born. And I thought I was marching to a beat that was going to get me to my goal. And I later realized that I was just moving in a line that kept getting longer and longer. And every time I thought I was going to check out, someone would hop in front of me. What type of life is that? You stand in line your whole life thinking that it's going to come and it never comes because the grace of God was never a part of it. And when our greed and when our ego and when our pride is leading our actions, it's not really edifying. One of the scriptures that I try to live by and the goal that I have when I am doing anything, no matter what business is through, no matter if it's family, friends, is this verse in John. I believe it's first John. So it's going to take a second to load, but it's one of my favorite verses. And the moral of it is because I can't read it verbatim until it pops up on my phone is everything that I do is not only for your soul to prosper, but for you to be in good health. 
Here we go. I can read it from the King James Version. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. The NIV version reads, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. So everything that I do and everything that I touch is that not only our soul prospers, that we be in good health, that our mind, body, and soul is in sync, that we're able to stride is the moral. So I've laid a lot down on this episode, and the moral of it is we live in a world that is constantly telling us how to live, what to do, what makes us successful. And I challenge you to ask yourself, is it fulfilling? Is it really making you successful? And most importantly, is it leading back to the will of God over your life? Because when you were born, even before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, God placed a purpose and a calling on your life. And the ego and what we see on social media and the glam and the money and the resources can strip us from what our real identity is. Because there's someone who may not have as much money, but they're rich in spirit and they're striving to achieve all these things that they see on social media. They're blind to their real purpose. That's someone listening to this podcast. (laughs) We've all been in a space where we have chased the wrong things. And I create this episode out of obedience and to ask you, are you chasing the right things? Are you surviving? Are you striving? Or are you striding? Stride with Jesus, not in your flesh, because in the end you will look back And there will be so much turmoil in your spirit of all the things you wanted to do and you never achieved because you did it on your own. You did it in your own ego and you did it with a heart posture that wasn't leading all roads back to God. Life can be fun and life is fun. But make sure that your heart posture is right because you get one life to live on this earth to impact other people. And you don't want to live it for someone else besides Jesus. Until next time. That's all we've got for today's episode here at Podcast Town Studio. These stories, they connect us. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is agreeing to disagree, different perspectives, healing from within, all because life and legacy are complex. We see people everywhere, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, griefs, pain or struggles? To be strong is to heal. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, He will help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you stay connected by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Invisible Talks Podcast. Until next time, I'm your host, Tyra Elam.